Hello everybody and welcome to the Total Italian Football Podcast for match day nine of Serie A, which isn't quite finished, but we're going to talk about it anyway. Kev is giggling away to himself. I'm Ian Burns, I'm joined by Kev. Kev, why are you giggling and also how are you? Well, that's the most positive um, I've ever heard you start a podcast. I was wondering if you got, <laughs> you know, some tips from when I had my my solo. So is it solo? My uh, my, my debut pod, uh, pod hosting. <laughs> Get me words out. Um, that's why it's happened once. Yeah, that's why it's happened once. Yeah, I've got to have far more preparation. I couldn't freewheel it as is being described for tonight. So, uh, yeah. Don't tell them that we're freewheeling. This has all been <laughs> extensively planned. Hey, I'm not. And... I've got my notes down right next to me. <laughs> uh, On the running order now, I know that I will introduce Vito. How are you? I'm all right, Burnsy. Um, yeah, away from here, health-wise, haven't been the best, but football-wise, been feeling pretty chirpy in the last hour or so have been up. Did Sampdoria oh, win well. or something? Oh, did I miss yes. that? Yes, oh, Sam okay. finally got a win in City of okay. B after I saw so it nil nil at half time, so uh, yeah. I didn't look back. And is, then, is, um, is Pirlo still there or has he gone yet? Yes, he's still there. Still there. But mm-hmm. he's changed the formation, which has made a world of difference. Well, good. And I imagine you potentially might be able to read about that on, yes. <laughs> on Italian football, yes, so, depending on um, whether you choose it. Yes, so when uh, I finish the Serie B review for this round, you can go to Total Hype and Italian Football and read all about it. Well, there you go. But we're not going to talk about that now, because we have had eight games of match day nine, and it's been a pretty good one for the for the big teams because started with Verona 1 Napoli 3 then Inter went and won 3 nil away at Torino and Lazio won 2 nil away at Sassuolo so that was Saturday three away wins and then Sunday Roma 1 Monza nil which was not an easy win for Roma at all um, so then Sana 2 Cadere 2 there's a flurry of late goals there Bologna 2 Frosinone 1 and there was a Frankly, silly goal in this one that we will talk about briefly later on. Um, Atalanta 2, Genoa 0. Incidentally, that's where Connor was, if you're wondering where Connor is. His dad is visiting and they've going to various games, that being one, obviously, as they are Atalanta men. And Sunday night finished off with Milan 0, Juve 1. Kev, you like the phrase Atalanta men? <laughs> yeah, they're Atalanta men. Um Take that as you will. It's like they're not from Atalanta, or they—I don't know how they're Atalanta. No one's from Atalanta. <laughs> we need to, we need to, we need to define what an Atalanta man is, don't we? And then get that in a dictionary somewhere. There'll be a picture. Just of Connor just two of them. Connor and Connor is dad. Oh. <laughs> um, and we're going to start with the most recent game. Obviously, Milan Juve is always going to be where we have to start, and this was. To be honest, a little bit of a letdown in terms of it was the obvious standout game for the weekend and you look forward to it a lot. Um, And then Malik Chow got sent off with five minutes of the first half to play. And suddenly it's a very different contest. Neither team had been incredible um, in the lead up to that, but Milan was certainly a bit more dangerous, as you'd expect, the home team and also just the more attacking team out of the two. Um, And... To be honest, even after the red card, that didn't drastically change all that much. Um, not that Milan were doing shed loads of attacking, but Juve weren't really either. 
Um, in a piece that I'll have up on TotalHaddenTotalFootball.com tomorrow, um, I kind of talk about how Juventus had a chance here to sort of to be a bit exciting and entertain. And you can fall on this in two different ways depending on how you want to view football. They won. So, you know, they got the three points. That is the most important thing. But they had over half a game against Milan with an extra player. You can imagine if you put Inter in that situation or even Napoli, you know, sometimes this season they they look like they can do it. Um, or Milan themselves, you swap it around. You could imagine them really going for it and getting a few goals. And that just didn't happen. Juve got, I think they had four four shots on target in the whole game. But I remember checking when there was just under 10 minutes left and they'd had one. Um, like they, There was absolutely no siege on the Milan goal. And it was really quite dull, despite being in such a position of strength. I'll come to Vito. Um, where do you sort of stand on that? Is that something that any Juve fan should be annoyed about? Or do you just go, we won, job done? The majority of Juventus fans will probably say that it's a case of job done and that the result's the only thing that counts. But uh, as the world moves on, uh, you know, the result's not the only thing that counts. Stoll does matter. And as you were alluding to there, Ewan, uh, any other team after that uh, Malik Chior sending off, they would smell blood and really go for it. And with the Juventus under Allegri, um, they'll take the win, but that's it. But anyone else, they would uh, not only see a chance, not just to beat Milan, but to humiliate them. And as you pointed out earlier, uh, especially if it was Inter instead of Juventus, or they would have been happy to put another five goals past Milan. No worries about that. Indeed. Kev, where do you stand on that? Um, I don't know if I fully uh, agree with Vito's kind of style matters. I think maybe that's coming from a fan of a team that hasn't won anything for a little while, <laughs> whereas like Juventus have got you know, loftier aspirations and kind of points on the board at this stage. Um, I mean, there was a there's a little bit. So I did the preview for this and Juve were without... Uh, a, a few key people. You, it depends on how you how you look at this with regards to how it could have forced Allegri's hand to be a little bit more proactive because um, Alexandro wasn't around. He was injured. So you've kind of started with Kostic on the left. Um, on the opposite side of that, Milan are missing Magnan and Tio Hernandez who are you know really important for for the back line. So you think, well, okay, let's go, go for it. But then Vlajevic is also coming back from sort of nursing injury. We weren't sure if Chiesa would start. So they've probably been preparing on the back of um, sort of the international break to go to go to Milan and try and sort of grind out three points that would take them, you know, within touching distance of them and sort of start to solidify their challenge for Champions League football. So I think on the back of an international break, when you've got those considerations, I think just because the player's been sent off, I think you can't really sort of flip flip a whole week's probably preparation with those sort of lesser players, if we call them that. And then sort of, yeah, because they, they're not really a sort of freestyling, sort of attacking attacking team. Um, they, they probably have been in the past when they've got more individual talent. So I think they, they, they've done well, done a 
great job because they're coming away from Milan with or or Rome if you saw uh, one of the US <laughs> promotional uh, pictures. Name them. Is that what it was? Is that what it was? I like to have made the comment um, about oh they've moved the game to Rome or whatever it was. I think various people. The thing I didn't like then is like. I'll go back and try and look at who did it first because then you see loads of other people just, they've clearly just plagiarizing somebody else's work and making, you know, making mm. tweets with funny comments. Um, but, um, but yeah, you know, they've got out of Milan with, with three points and I think they're one behind Milan now. And I say, Allegri said after the game, Champions League is their objective this year. But um, if he's still a couple of points off top when we're in April, I wonder if uh, he'll still be saying that. Yeah, for for anyone who didn't see what you mentioned there, it, it was it was Fox Soccer's um, graphic ahead of the game, and the, the the point of their graphic was that there could potentially, and there was in the end, be four Americans starting in the game, um, but it had the four players in various kits all over the top of the Coliseum. Which <laughs> prob- probably offended me more actually, because did they use like did they use four different like kits of these teams. Like pull it was a bit that mismatch. Um, you know, Bluey pinky one. Yeah, bluey pinky one. Yeah. It was poor. And, you know, I know we have American listeners and stuff, but it's it's something that to us feels <laughs> on brand. Um, but no one likes Fox, do they? At least not. Well, look, Kev's looking around all... I'll tell you what, I think I can... <laughs> for insight, me and Kev live quite near each other. Is it just and I can hear a lot of shouting and music. Down. Oh no, I can hear shouting and music has suddenly gotten much louder outside my window. <laughs> anyway, can't have a storm just started. Sorry, yeah, sorry. Yeah, how humble. This isn't interesting for anyone except me and Kev. Um, Although you yeah, didn't have um, to bring it up. <laughs> it's the way you started looking around just as I started hearing something outside my window and I was like, is there like a parade started or something at 11 on a Sunday <laughs> um, but um, there was something that you've you mentioned off air that Kev, you, you've decided that you found this out before anyone else and it's not for me to say whether you did or not although I have had a little look and I've, I've found a tweet from before yours <laughs> oh, that's a um, but do you, do you want to explain what it is yeah, I kind of until my phone flashed up with the final uh, score because it sort of summarises some of it. I'd forgotten that Locatelli actually ever played for Milan. And actually looking at how he celebrated, I think Locatelli probably at least isn't one of those people that, you know, stands statuesque and just sort of holds his hands up and it's like, oh, sorry, I've scored against you because he seems to quite enjoy it, even though it was heavily deflected. But um, yeah, so I was like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. And then I thought, oh, he, he, he scored for Milan once, didn't he? And it was a much better goal, actually. Um, to win the game against Juve. So exactly the same score. And then sort of when I was Googling around to work out if uh, I'd remembered it correctly, it was on exactly the same day, but 2016, um, which is a nice little uh, spooky as we're in the Halloween the Halloween season. Um, it's a bit of symmetry. Um, so there you go. It is very nice. I like things like that. Um, and that is, that is a corker. Because... There's a million. I don't. No, I'm not going to try and unpack that actually because I don't really know. They what need to I'd play the game on Monday now <laughs> next next year, so we can get a hat trick yeah. of Locatelli one 0 wins on the 22nd of October. Yeah, if it were to happen happen next year, that it'd be really hard for it to happen the following year. <laughs> then yeah. it need to be in like the Champions League, but then that can't happen in the group stage. 
No. Anyway, wow. let's leave that alone. I'm not sure actually with that crazy <laughs> Champions League. Um, oh, that's true. Actually, yeah. Whatever we've got next year, I don't think there is the. I don't think there is the seeding, or maybe there is. Who cares? Let's get. It, <laughs> um, title race wise, this is, um, this is probably this is the most interesting result to to create tightness at the top because Inter won this weekend. Um, they won away at Torino three 0 so. They are top with 22. And then Milan are now on 21. And Juve are up to 20, which, you know, all played the same amount of games. Is all very nice and exciting. Vito, I'm going to ask you now, and, you know, this isn't something you're locked into for the rest of the season, but who of yes, those three? Because we're, we're, <laughs> we're expecting those three to be possibly the three for the season. Who are you backing right now if you had to pick one? Um, I would still back um, Inter to win the title. Yeah, I think I agree with you. Annoyingly, it's, it's not, <laughs> I, I say I, I said I said Milan at the start of the season. Um, and yeah, there's one point between them, so really anything could happen at this point. Um, but this Inter team, they look a lot stronger than I thought they would. Um, to the point where you know they were nil nil with Torino with still I think half an hour left and it still didn't really seem like a very nervy situation and lo and behold they went to 1-3-0 I think the roles too are more defined if you can say and I think that just the general game plan is more refined whereas with AC Milan I think a lot of it's down more to just the recruitment of the players and uh, Pioli just trying to keep it simple in terms of formation and and man management. I think that uh, Pioli has a few shortcomings as a tactician. And although there has been a piece recently on total-italianfootball.com about uh, Inzaghi perhaps having some limitations, especially because he is a staunch 3-5-2 formation user, but I think Inzaghi's way of playing... I think uh, there's a way to really get the best out of those players and not look too predictable whenever certain players are not performing. The others can sort of chip in and make a difference or they're smart enough to find a way out of it, where sometimes Milan, like in this game, uh, can look very lackluster if some players aren't switched on. Yeah, it does It does feel like there's... It feels like there's more lapses in this in this Milan team right now compared to the Inter team. Um, there are players to come back for for Milan to make this a more complete. Like Kev mentioned, they were without Manjan and Hernandez for this game. They also didn't have Ruben Loftus Cheek. Um, and then you know they they were the better team before the red card. This this would have been a very different night without the red card. Um, not that they've been peppering the Juve goal, but Chesney made a very good save from a Giroud shot after Liao did some Liao things down the left. Um, because Federico Gatti was really struggling with Liao for quite a while. Um, and then obviously it all kind of changed with the red card. The, the pattern of it, it just became not a lot really going on. And then a deflected shot went in and then not a lot went on again. But we're going to leave that game now because... I want to talk about Napoli, actually. 
Let's let's change the record. Every time we talk about Napoli, it's negative, and that's because they're clearly not as good as they were last season. And Milan's next opponent, so so good segue. Yes, very true. Because it's not an easy run for Milan. Because in the middle of that, they've got PSG as well (laughs) in the Champions League, and then they got PSG after Napoli as well. Um, But yeah, Napoli. Yeah, none of us particularly rate Rudy Garcia. We we don't think they're going to really be challenging for the title this season much. Um, but they were good away at Verona. Um, and two players in particular, um, Matteo Politano and Kvitscher-Kvaratskhelia, were very, very good. Um, Kvaratskhelia obviously is a player that it was it was in the same stadium at the Bentegodi where he got his first Napoli goal last season. Everyone was like, oh, that guy scored. Um, and then he didn't stop scoring for a little while and, and we all suddenly knew who he was. Um but started getting concerned two... about having to pronounce his surname. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I think I might have wrote that when I was covering this, that the, it was a goal that made everyone learn how to say his name. Um, it was only ahead of that one. But he, he scored a very good goal, more sort of more of a him goal um, for Napoli here to to make it. I think, this, I, think I made it 2-0. And then he scored one of his sort of nonchalant daft goals to make it 3-0 as well. Um He's just fun. Like, Kev, the the league is better when he's on form. And towards the end of last season, he wasn't on form. And and up until the last couple of games, he's not been on form. Um, But this made me excited that he might be. Yeah, well, it's I suppose it's that element of like harking back to days where you had tricky wingers that used to take people on it. That it wasn't as robotic as some modern football can be, where. It's all about how the team. Um, who is it? He said uh, Oscar Tavares, the ex-Uruguay coach. Now, I think he said something like, "I remember when transitioning was just called counter-attack." He said, well, "You know, it was like, <laughs> and, and and that's it. You know, you get you get the the Kravitz-Elias of this world that can just run, and that 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 lovely piece of sort of close control and shifts onto his left foot and sort of smashes it in for the second. Exactly where you want to see more of those sort of individual battles that you." You see, it feels like you see less and less, but then I'm just an old grump, as Connor would say, if he was here. Um, but yeah, so having him on forms, brilliant. And I think uh, almost that's what you want to see next week. You know, that, that Napoli-Milan um, sort of encounter, you've got Leal tormenting Di Lorenzo, I suppose, will be full-back for, for Napoli on that side. And Cravacelio going at Calabria. Did he start today? Was he fit? I don't remember seeing yeah. him. Yeah, so... You know, with those two next week back on form, it could be quite interesting. Um, those sort of little individual battles at the left hand side of the attacks. Yeah, the whole Leal versus Granitskelia thing was was built up quite a lot last season. Um, and it, it, from memory, although I'm, I am bad with memory in these sorts of things, I don't remember there being an Apple Milan game last season where both of them were playing well. Um, I seem to, yeah, it was the Champions League, was wasn't it? Where... Wasn't there. Yeah, Kravacelia by that point would look like he he was spent from his efforts, or, yeah, and alongside Osman taking them to the title, and Leal ran riot in at the Maradona. I think it was at the Maradona, but they certainly ran riot yeah. in those uh, quarter quarter finals. Yeah, so they've not matched up as of yet. Um, you mentioned Osman; he wasn't here because he's he's injured. Um, he got injured while playing for Nigeria, and you know with this whole idea that Rudy Garcia had three games from 
the end of the international break to save his job. This was a good win, and he did it without, yeah, arguably the best player in Serie A. Yeah, there, there are other people you could put into that argument, but you're certainly right in the discussion. Um, and part of the reason why they managed to do it, Vita, was Matteo Politano, who is sort of, everyone knows he's good, but you don't really talk about him very much. Incidentally, um, his last, I believe it was his last 12 um, goals have been away from home, which is remarkable, really. It's either 12 or 9, and I will confirm as I frantically flick around my own piece of work. 9. last 9 goals um, in Serie A have been away from home, which is a really odd stat. Um, but he was brilliant here, wasn't he, Vito? He was brilliant, and he was involved in all three goals. He scored the opening goal. That was a well-taken goal. And then he supplied the assist for the other two goals for Quadratskelia. So uh, I think a fantastic game from him overall. Uh, usually he isn't directly involved in the goals a lot because Cavara um, Donna and Ozymen are usually the ones firing the ball into the net. But uh, he's usually a valuable contributor and this game, he really stepped it up. I think an interesting point, because of Ozyman's injury, that's also forced Napoli to change the tactics a bit. So uh, I think with uh, Raspadori as a centre forward or false nine, if you like, I think that forces uh, Quaratskelia to also get into those scoring positions like he normally would, but also force Politano to get a bit closer to goal as well. So it changes the whole dynamic of the game. And I think a positive for Rudy Garcia is that it shows that, you know, he has uh, a plan B at the moment. The real, te- the real test, though, is to see how this works against Union Berlin in the Champions League and, of course, in the upcoming Serie A fixture against Milan. Yeah, I, I've not looked at Osman's injury since it happened, but the, the suggestion when it did happen was that he won't be fit for that Milan game. It, it, it is going to be... I can't. I think it was a hamstring, and it, you know, it is going to be a few games, um, you know, a small handful of games. So the fact that they've shown they can be dangerous without him, albeit yes, this is against Verona, who are going to be down towards the bottom of Serie A, but that, that it does seem like there's a small handful of worse teams than them, um, and they have looked a bit more organised this season than last. But yeah, reasons to be cheerful. Um, Vito, you have something else that you want to talk about. You may now proceed. <laughs> yeah. Another interesting thing is that uh, Maru Rui actually started this game too. Garcia had a thing for giving Matias Oliveira, the Uruguayan, more opportunities to play. And, uh, you know, after the, the Fiorentina game, uh, there was this speculation that uh, Garcia had not been on the best terms with Maru Rui and had not been using him a lot. Uh, this time, he's made the start and he pretty much yeah, showed that uh, he should be starting at number one all along. He was a reliable performer under Spalletti and although he's 32 years old, he's not someone that's showing any wear and, wear and tear. So I think Garcia needs to count on the Portuguese veteran's experience. Yeah, he had a solid game. He's one of them players. He's got an odd moment in him, but he is very good. Um, and like you say, they, the pair of them might not look back from here. Although you know they've got a lot of games to play, so it's no bad thing if he if he rates both of his options. 
in that position. Um, let's talk about Roma because you were covering this, Vita. Um, and this was not very good. <laughs> from, from Roma. I mean, they, yeah, Roma won. They'll be happy. Under um, a statement. <laughs> <laughs> but Monza were definitely the more dangerous side. Uh, e- even when <laughs> they only had 10 players um, in, in large parts. Um, remind me when yeah. the record happened. It was in the first half, wasn't it? 41st minute. So Danilo D'Ambrosio had been given a yellow card in the 23rd, and that was justified. And then, incredibly, he goes and trips Bellotti from behind, gets a second yellow, and he starts touching the referee. I mean, what uh, yeah. Oh. Yeah, I mean, what did he have to complain about? I mean, he's not going to reverse it through VAR. Uh, VAR's got all the evidence to prove that he tripped him. So <laughs> D'Ambrosio really lost the plot there. It was just absurd. You know, you can like tell by a player's eyes in one of those situations where, like you say, it's a lost cause. He's not going to get anything from the complaining. But you can just see it in their eyes and the way the veins are in their head that they, they are just beyond a certain point now. They are so angry that... Like somebody used to drag them away from the referee because he, he kept putting two hands on around the referee's midriff, <coughs> basically. Oh, okay, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, thought, I thought he was touching the referee to try and get him to change his mind in a good way. Um... <laughs> no, no, not. I, I will not convince quite you. That let way, me on. Kevin. <laughs> not quite that way. No, would have been a bit. Public, However, to be fair. Yeah, true. <laughs> However. Um, even with that red card, Monza did generate some better chances in the second half, and Rue Patricio actually needed to make some good saves, which is uh, great from his perspective because I think he's had a very poor start to the season, so this performance was much needed from him. Yeah, Colpani and um, I think it was Vignato were both very dangerous. Yeah, um, Birindelli when that, he came on. Yeah, Birindelli was good as well. Um there's, no Gomez, there's, a, there's a lot of no no <laughs> yeah, Gomez yeah. with his cough syrup apparently. <laughs> yes, I've, I've not um, I've not read into the intricacies of his misdemeanor. For anyone who doesn't know, I imagine you must do by now. But Papa Gomez obviously joined Monza um, very recently. Um, I think he made maybe one appearance, possibly two, like from two. the bench, and um, he's now got a two-year ban. For Dopey, I don't know what's happening contract-wise there. Whether they're letting him go, I, I, I assume he's he must have a, an appeal to do, whether he's doing it or not. I'm not too sure. I, I apologise. This isn't very informed because I've forgotten. No, that no, happened. he must be because uh, <laughs> only just before coming on air, I read that he said that the reason was his son's cough syrup. Uh, I'm not sure if you should be taking your children's cough syrup without the advice of your club doctor, mm. even if you've got a tickly throat, but uh, we'll see how that develops. And uh, so he might be, <laughs> he might be on the Monza books until they can agree if he's done anything untoward or not. I suppose. Yeah. There can be odd things like that that get players off of these. I, I, I had to do something about, um, for a different website. It, it wasn't just football. It was various sporting. Um, this was in the wake of Pogba. Um, various sporting people who the reason why they got done for doping and how some of them got out of it and that there were that there there are weirder things than my kids cough syrup um but yeah Papa Gomez wasn't involved but there's a lot of good in that Monza team and they very nearly got the point and then El Sharawi scored in I think the 90th minute um 
and it was a bit oh a red card for Mourinho as well always just good, got to slip that in because <laughs> him and Palladino hate each other's guts see which... do you think that's because he doesn't he doesn't want to go to Inter next week he'd rather a week off you know he really loves Inter he doesn't really want to be at Roma so he, he doesn't well, want to go very true or will he be in the car park in a, in a van that, yeah, or whatever it was that was did. in the San Siro car park wasn't it as yeah. well I think yeah so there you go. He just doesn't. He just he can't bring himself to go back to Inter and. You he know, had a two-year lease on the parking spot, so he's decided <laughs> to get get a red card by slagging off Palladino. He was just he was just happy that it happened to be Palladino. Was the because they had they had their big fight last year, didn't they? Um, and it very much. Well, I say it continued. It seemed all fine, and it was just towards the end of the game something got to him, and the the replay was Mourinho giving it the whole. Stop chatting and all of that, and then shushing him, and, and he was rubbing his eye as well. He's crying, he's crying eyes, as a cry uh, baby. gestures yeah. were, were funny. Yeah, it was all very funny. And <laughs> when he got shown, he'd already sat back down on the bench, and then the red got shown, <laughs> and he just he just got up and walked away like, "Yep, yeah, cool. <laughs> I expected that. <laughs> I know what I did." Um, Wanted it even. <laughs> but yeah, Vito, what what were your um, what were your feelings towards Roma after this? Where, where, where do you stand with them? To me, I think it just goes to show that uh, they really are missing something without Lorenzo Pellegrini and Paolo Dybala. Uh, Dybala, he plays at his own pace. He plays with such grace and he knows how to make those defense-splitting balls and score goals out of nothing. So he was missed. And Pellegrini is usually quite effective and knows how to get into those, um, you know, scoring positions he will make those late runs into the box so i think with with roma just the, the starting attack i think with lukaku you got that physicality and belotti is a hard worker but uh, they they lack flair and uh, they also weren't getting sort of the best supply either so with the giallo rossi they were knocking the ball around all right at times but they were missing that goal that sort of defense splitting passes to get in better positions and then you look at the midfield with Ua and Paredes they can distribute the ball and the only thing though was that again same sort of thing to sort of unlock the ones of defense they really were missing something because it looked all pretty predictable until Mourinho made those subs um, probably one the positives aside from uh, El Sharawi scoring was set the Iranian striker Sada Azmoun. I thought, you know, with the limited touches he had, he actually looked quite decent. So yeah, he's, he's no Dybala. in the box. Yeah, he's he's no Dybala, but I think for what he is, he can still add something a bit different. So if he can sort of, you know, get fit, you know, supply some of those two balls, or even have a go himself, uh, he might uh, add another dimension to Roma's game. They were awful at the start of the season. It sort of they're free from free now, and it wasn't until I looked at the table I realized how sort of far they jumped up. They're sort of just outside the European positions, so it just sort of surprised me a little. I think that they sort of snuck in there. So I suppose that's classic Mourinho grinding out wins. But I did kind of slate Stefan Alshawari's appearance for Italy at midweek. So when he popped up, <laughs> popped up scoring, it made me. Um, Made me chuckle because he's yeah. you just forget he's there. You know, you just I was um, I watched that Italy England game with a English friend who does not follow Italian football, 
And when he heard El Shirari's name, he was like, is he still playing? Yeah. <laughs> he didn't realize he was playing, let alone playing for Italy. Um, Forget how old he is. And you're also sort of, for somebody like that, who didn't, who, no, let's say somebody didn't know who he was. He's got, he's quite fresh faced for a 30 yeah. year old, yeah. I think. So you could even probably be uh, excused more, think. for thinking that he's, you know, he's a, he's a, he's a relative newcomer to the Italian setup, but yeah, he's, um, Flatters to deceive almost for like the entirety of his career that started about 20 years ago. <laughs> yeah, as Vito points out, he's, he's almost 31. He's a couple of days away from being 31. So he's got a lot oh, left in him, really. Oh, well, um, happy birthday, lad. <laughs> he was very important last season, to be honest with you. He, 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 he was a player that, like I say, you don't really notice, but then he does pop up with important goals and important moments, and he did it again, obviously, today. Um but I think we will park it on Roma there. I don't think I can squeeze much more talking about Roma out of a, a 1-0 win at home to Monza, <laughs> as much as I may like to. Um, there's a certain goal that both of you quickly pointed out to me before we came on air. Who wants to talk about the goal? Uh, I, I, I'll, talk about, I'll talk about the goal because I do Go love on. Bologna. It is probably starting to become my favourite city of all the Italians. That's not just because our friends are moving there soon. Um, and it was, uh, so it put Bologna 2 up. It was from their captain, uh, Di Silvestri. And it was um, the rarity of headers from outside the box. Um, so a cross came in. That it was a it was a poor, poor attempted clearance. Now I've got to try and remember this correctly. I think it was by the goalkeeper that left the goalkeeper somewhere around the penalty spot. But the way in which Di Silvestri sort of knew he was going for goals. He sort of launched himself forward, sort of diving header, probably 20, 21 yards out and um, sort of placed it almost perfectly. And um, yeah, it's one for those that haven't seen it should go and um, seek out via the relevant uh, YouTube channels. It was eight unbeaten. Stupid. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that is bad. Yeah, it's, it's, it's such a good goal. It's one of them, it would be, a really good goal if he did the same finish with his foot because it's clear that he is trying to loft it over everyone. <laughs> just the fact that he did it as a flying header. <laughs> just a shame it was 20 minutes from the start of the game, not 20 minutes from the end and was the sort of, you know, almost a, after Frozenone had equalised. Uh, but yeah, there you go. Yeah. Can't have everything. Well, well done to him. And like I say, it is worth finding. Um, Inter, as we mentioned earlier briefly, they won 3-0 away at Torino. Taram scored yet again. But Vito, you want to talk about a different sort of player, the opposite sort of player. Yeah. Well, I thought uh, Jan Sommer made a very valuable contribution in this game. He's had a pretty good season and he's now got six clean sheets. So that's more than anyone else. Gregorio could have had five, but then he let it slip against Roma. So it wasn't to be. But back on Sommer, I think he made some valuable contributions because in the first half, Torino actually had their chances to score. So even without Duvan Zapata, who is injured, the Granata were generating chances and uh, he made some quality saves. So I think even with uh, Andre Onana no longer there, they at least have someone like Sommer who's got experience and he's a reliable shot stopper. You, you both kind of mentioned... The Inter currently your favourites for the title, and there was there was something that just came over me as I was sort of watching the 
watching the highlights of the goals earlier today, and it's like, and it's Lautaro Martinez. And I think I've said this previously. Like, it feels like he's going to be the deciding factor in what will, what, what I think will be an Inter title this season. But it feels like when he scores and he goes to the camera, for some reason, I, I already think that I'm watching a highlights reel of like the Player of the Year. You know, I, I, I don't know why. It's just a real weird sensation I get. Like it's like it's already wrapped up for me for some reason. He just looks, he looks absolutely in his element, and that he's going to take this team to the total. A bit like Osman did at times last year with Kravitzelia. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's just I just get this really, really strange feeling when I'm sort of watching at the moment. And that, you know, I say again, I won't repeat what I've said previously, but that whole captaincy and probably the age he's coming into and the time of his career he's coming into I think he's it'll be um, possibly his last season unless he does sign this sort of contract that's been written about on total Italian football by us well he's he's, sorry you go Vito no, I was going to say well he's taken his tally to 11 goals in just 9 games so you know he's in incredible form and it's easy for Kev to think that that you know you'd think that scoring at such an incredible rate it just seems that if Inter do go on to win the title and Lautaro Martinez will seem to be the obvious choice uh, after him there have been some good performers you know like Chalonoglu is keeping things tidy in midfield and improved on his defensive game Mkhitaryan's been a bit of an unsung hero and Turam is slowly adjusting into this uh, into team and adapting to Italian football. So there are some good performances. And on the left with um, Di Marco and also Carlos Augusto, they've got options on that flank. But uh, I think Lautaro is really head and shoulders above the rest in that team. I think he's very good and I like him. Um, right, we're going to rattle through. <laughs> Sorry, that was weird. <laughs> yeah, I thought you were, were going to follow up with, I would like him to sign for... Yeah. And I know well, Roma is not going to be the word that comes out of your mouth. <laughs> yeah. I'll take either. Um, right, I'm going to rattle through any remaining games we've not yet to mention with a minor point on each, starting with Sassuolo nil, Lazio 2. I have nothing to say. Does anybody else? Oh, well, Alberto's finish is quite quite nice. The fact that he had this like the awareness of his position to sort of turn really quickly and just do that little dink. Uh, mm. Over Concili was 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 quite nice. I think I've I've always quite liked him. He's like a he's like a second tier or second level sort of creative schemer because he's probably not ever been going to be quite good enough to have a prolonged period at a, a sort of serious total challenging club. That being said, he has achieved a fair amount with Lazio. He's a very old player because I forget he exists, and then. The reason I suddenly remember he exists is either that he's fallen out with somebody at Lazio or he scored a really, really good goal. Um, so today it's the good goal. Um, Vito, Salernitana 2, Cagliari 2. The main thing I've noticed from this is that Bouladier scored twice, who I actually kind of forgot about. Obviously, he, was, he did really, really well last season, scored a lot of goals. Um, and I, I forgot he was there, to be honest, but he's he's got two goals. Thoughts yeah. on Boo idea? <laughs> oh, well, well, he's a crucial player for them. And, uh, you know, he needed to score this double in this game. He finished third last season in the goal-scoring charts, playing a valuable contribution in their survival. And with uh, Filippo Inzaghi replacing Paulo Souza as coach, 
I think Inzaghi needed to get off to a good start and what probably should have been a good um, win on the road for Coyote ended up being a late escape for the home side and, uh, you know, good for Dia to get back on the scoring sheet because he's probably the guy that's going to steer them to survival again and uh, a good start for Inzaghi who has struggled in Serie A in the past. It's a good point you raise actually about people and Zaghi being the coach now because that happened during the international break so it's one that we didn't manage to really talk about but um, I'm looking ahead the the there's already been one um, Salernitana intergame so we're only set for one in Zaghi derby this for the season and that's not going to be till February um, date to be confirmed everyone but February is when you can see <laughs> the Inzaghi's against each other, assuming that they are both still functioning in their roles, which you'd assume at least one of them definitely will be. As for Salentano, you don't really know. That's actually quite far in the context, <laughs> February. Um, but we'll see how he gets on. Um, of course, by looking at that, I've now lost the current weekend scores that I'm after. Here we go. <laughs> um where shall we talk about next? Atalanta is what we've got next. I was say, it's the only one we've got left. Let's, <laughs> let's preview, preview in tomorrow's games. Um, <laughs> they'll, they'll get a mention. They're not getting yeah. previewed. <laughs> um, yeah, Atalanta 2, Genoa 0. I mean, that's just an efficient job, isn't it? Lutman scored. On which, the floor. Which he was weird. He was on the floor as he scored that. It was weird. Yes. He, <laughs> he, he, I, think he, I think he attempted to sort of jump into it with his feet. And sort of volley it in, but it sort of ended up going like between his legs and under his ass. So then, when it eventually sort of came out, he sort of scooped. He almost spun himself round on his ass and sort of scooped it into the net. And then there was a little bit of a VAR sort of check to see that I suppose it hadn't struck his hand or been fouled or there was a potential penalty. But um, yeah, he did sort of well to give them the lead through that. <laughs> yeah, Connor would have been happy. So uh, yeah. They'll yeah. have been jumping and screaming in the stands, I imagine. Shirts off, the whole lot. <laughs> um, and then same again for the Edison goal to clinch it in stoppage time. Um, Atalanta, incidentally, um, they are a couple points ahead of Roma. They, they, they're sort of pretty nicely plugging along where you'd maybe expect them to be, but also in a way where they could easily pounce up a few places with a decent runner forward. It's it's all it's all very there's quite a clear fight to me already sort of forming where we talked about Inter Milan Juve being split by two points and then you've got Fiorentina in fourth and there's only three points separating them in fourth and Bologna in eighth. Um it's quite interesting. Yeah it feels like feels also like Fiorentina's gonna fill that role that Lazio had last year where they're you'll be constantly just monitoring whether they can stay in the race for Champions League um, because obviously it would have, well, it would have a significant boost to their finances um, and it would obviously help help Serie A to have a little bit more visibility, <clears throat> excuse me, on another, on another side that were obviously prime time in the first um, sort of buzz around Italian football from a UK perspective uh, back in the 90s. Yeah, they are a club that still, you know, as a as a younger man, they they are a, a name that still holds weight. Um, from... I think the kit helps because it's one of those where very the very, yeah. So you you remember a purple kit, 
Um, actually, particularly of that era when you had Dream Team, I don't know if either of you are young enough or veto whether Dream Team ever crossed crossed the countries to get, get to you, but they played in a purple kit. And I think they're the only two purple kitted teams I can think of other than, well, there's City of Liverpool, isn't there now? But, uh, <laughs> um, anyway, that aside, um, Monday night's games are Udinese versus Lecce and Fiorentina versus Empoli. So you've got a, a Tuscan derby there, which is a, an absolute whopper. Uh, but unfortunately, Empoli are really quite bad. So that should only go one way, really. But you can never quite fully trust Fiorentina. Um, reminder, patreon.com forward slash total Italian football. You can find bonus podcasts. There'll be the women's football podcast coming up um, early in the coming week. There will be another bonus podcast of some description. I'll tell you what that will be. That will be the European podcast because we've got Champions League games and everything to look forward to as well, which therefore means on TotalHyphenTotalFootball.com there will be a shed load of articles because there's loads of teams because no one's been knocked out yet. We've got seven of them all kicking about in various competitions across all three of them. Um, So look out for all of that. Please sign up if you can find it in your hearts and pockets. You can pay as little as two euro a month and get loads of stuff. Or if you're feeling nice, you could pay five. If you're feeling really nice, you could pay ten. But you know that that would be a bit mad, even even in my opinion. Um, but anyway, <laughs> cost of living crisis um, and all that. Yeah, um, you know, that's not let's not take the piss. Um, yeah, five will do. Um, has anyone else got anything they want to add before we depart? No, that's all. I just look forward to seeing you in the week. Not personally, don't worry, you and I'm not coming to knock the door. I just meant, I just meant on European pods. <laughs> Let me recommend, I, was like, I don't think we got plans. <laughs> there was there was a there was a look in his eye there. But, uh, oh, yeah. it, it was it was more a racking my mental calendar look more than anything. Unless unless <laughs> you unless you want to come and join me and stay walking around the festival of light that we will do one evening this week. You and your right. other half are more than welcome to join us. I briefly did that actually this evening and found oh. a new beer thing. Um, we didn't properly do the Festival of Light. I just stumbled past a little bit of it, but found a new beer thing, which I'll tell you about in a second. <laughs> um, yes. Goodbye, everyone. Go do all the things I said. Patreon. TotalHaventonFootball.com. Bye. Sento mila voci 
Que hai fatto innamorare 